Welcome to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset, all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self at the same time. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and nutrition and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you. And I know that you're in exactly the right place to turn that ship around and build a body you love inside and out. So let's go. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode and a hugely, hugely warm welcome to our very special guest today, who is Sammy Rose. So, so excited to have you, Sammy. How are you? I'm great. It's so nice to chat to you. It's always such a pleasure. We chat so much and I feel like we're probably both going to just ramble and chit chat so much today. We've got a lot to cover. <laughs> um, you know what? I was thinking this morning on my walk. I was like, we've known each other now for a long time. Yeah, it'd probably be like six, seven years now, I think. Yeah, that's nuts. I was thinking, um, I remember finding you on Instagram before you were qualified. So this was right at the start of, I think it was at the start of your fitness journey. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure you were still working at Lorna Jane at that time. And I was like, you're such an inspiration with everything that you were doing. And then I remember when you got qualified and I was like, help me. And I, was, I was a shit client. You, I was a shit coach. I mean, I, I wasn't shit. I really tried my best at the time, but you were one of my very, very first clients, like the first, I think, six months or so. And I would hate to look back on the programming and think that we were doing back then. I'm like, I've grown a lot in the last however many years, six, seven years of my coaching business. So let's focus on the good news. <laughs> I think we've both grown a lot. Like I was yeah. thinking about it and I was like, man, I was like, I reckon I was compliant for two weeks and then I fell off the base of the earth and then we sort of became friends. Because <laughs> well, then we ran into each other when you were competing and we like reconnected from there. And yeah, it's been really nice to see you come into your own, I guess, like business-wise as well and really like I'm such an admirer of the way that you tackle things and like how much you've learned over the years. So, yeah, it's been really nice to see you grow. Thank you Learn so much. Each other. <laughs> so, Sammy, I'm just wondering, I'm sure everyone listening is going to know who you are already, but I would love if you could actually give us a bit of a background on your um, entry into the fitness industry mm-hmm. Um, if we start from the start and also just a little bit about your own, like your own training as well as not just the coaching side of things. Okay. Um, well, I guess, yeah, my background has been, I mean, even since getting a teenager, I've kind of always been like on the sort of chubbier side. I've gone through a lot of diets and things like that. And I didn't really start taking things overly seriously until probably say around 2012, 2013 was when I really got stuck into it um I was on like a big health kick like a weight loss journey at that time from like my highest weight and um got a PT and like really just started getting into strength training and found this whole big like passion for fitness and um really just fell in love with it I guess and over the years just tried to kind of step it up and like figure out what my goals were and how I could get there um and at one point then decided that maybe I would 
take a stab at competing in um, bikini fitness competitions. So that was the path that I ended up going down, I think from around late 2014. Um, Cause I'd lost probably maybe like 10 to 12 kilos or something by that point and saw all these people that were like 10, really happy looking with abs on stage. And I was like, wow, like I, I want that. This is going to be that thing that kind of gets me to guess the end or like gets me to my goal. Um, so I hired a coach, started working towards that. Um, and very shortly after realized that it was maybe not um, the end goal that I was anticipating and that it wasn't just one of those get abs and live happily ever after situations. <laughs> so I had a bit of a rude awakening there, but I did go on to compete in nine shows altogether. Over, yeah, over about a two and a half year period. So I crammed them all in. I had minimal breaks and really pushed myself super duper hard. And I think that's kind of the period that I had gained a lot of my Instagram following. I was, you know, documenting a lot of my journey. I was doing like some YouTube stuff at the time as well. So people were really invested, I guess, in my competing journey and cheering for me, which was like amazing. <laughs> um, but, you know, it got to a point where it wasn't sustainable for me anymore. I was really just doing too much of the extremes and my life was kind of falling apart on the outside of that. So, yeah, I hit a point where I needed to take a step back and take at least a break and um, just kind of figure my shit out from there, really. So that was end of 2017. I stopped competing. Um, went through a period of some pretty intense binging. Um, over the course of maybe sort of the three to six months following that, I gained a bunch of weight, um, went through a lot of body image issues and just a whole like almost like an identity crisis <laughs> at the time because I had like built a following and I'd built a brand and a business, I guess, off the back of being this little shreddy competitor with, you know, abs and people writing goals on my photos. Um, so it was really a transformative time where I learned a lot about myself in that kind of weight gain phase um just to figure out who I was outside of like what I looked like and um it's kind of just cruised along since then I guess I got to a point where I could zoom out and see myself as a whole person and figure out everything that I had to add value to this world and to everyone around me um so that's just kind of more what I focus on now is just being a good person, being a great coach, you know, all of my skills and personality traits and all of that good stuff. Um, so I guess now, yeah, I just kind of coast in terms of my own health and fitness. I don't diet. I don't count macros or anything anymore. Not that I'm against it. It's just, it's not for me anymore. I could probably do it off the top of my head anyway. If you put a meal in front of me, I could dissect it and tell you if I really wanted to figure it out. Um, but I just eat kind of more, I want to say I eat intuitively because, um, you know, intuitive eating is a very specific kind of list of protocols and things like that. But I eat mindfully where I mostly just kind of eat based on how I feel, but I try and prompt myself to make sure I'm getting in, you know, plenty of the good stuff. I'm a little more mindful, I guess, of like protein and fiber and all stuff that's a little more important. Um, and training, I just kind of go with the flow. I've been in phases where I've hated the gym and not really wanted to do as much strength training. Um, I was kind of on a good path until like COVID hit last year. And then when the gym shut, even like we're so lucky here in Queensland where we haven't had 
much lockdown scenarios. Um, but we did kind of have that initial one and everything stuck for a few months. And I think the gyms were closed from like April through to like July or so or August last year. Um, and I just kind of hit a, hit a wall at that point. Didn't really go back very consistently at all from there until maybe the last month or two. So I was doing like group fitness classes and just really sporadic <laughs> movement in general. Um, but I've started to get back into the groove lately, which has felt really good, you know, joined a new gym and just kind of doing it um, for a personal passion more than I think at one point I just felt like it was just my job or I was there to like film workouts or I was there just so that I could like get a selfie to post an inspiring quote for everyone else. And I just felt like I kind of lost myself at some point, but yeah, I'm in a good groove now. So things are, things are pretty good. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's so valuable. And I, I do want to deep dive into that, but also just um, curious, are you programming for yourself? Are you doing the new group classes still? What, what are you doing? Um, I'm not doing the group classes anymore um, just because I moved house. So it's a little further away from me, but that I really loved that dynamic, honestly. And I liked just going and not having to think and having someone else just tell me what to do was actually really nice. And like the social aspect is great since I work by myself. Um, so I'll occasionally kind of just do casual classes there from here, I think. But yeah, I'm just training in the gym and honestly just winging it. I don't think that I can be a follower program person anymore. Um, I like the freedom of just picking what I like. And I have a couple of key lifts that I try to be really consistent with every week. I always make sure I hit, you know, my squats, my deadlifts, my presses, all of those kinds of things that I'll kind of start a session with one or two really big lifts that I want to push myself on. And then it's like, whatever I feel like. And it's kind of nice to have that at the moment, actually, like I'm really enjoying it. And it's, I don't have any major like performance goals or anything that I need to be super consistent for. So for now, this kind of really just ticks all the boxes for me of just moving to feel good, still like doing some of the big lifts to at least see progress there and know that I'm like pushing myself and showing up for myself each week. Um, but the less structure with my training and nutrition right now, the better. Um, that's what just kind of feels really good for where I'm at. Yeah, I hear you. I do want to dive a little bit into, you know, end of 2017 to now. So mm-hmm. space of time and you spoke mm-hmm. about, you know, a bit of an identity crisis there. There was um, some binge eating, but you said it was a hugely transformative time for you. And like we can see that from the outside. Like it's very, very obvious that there's been a huge transformation, a huge shift in you, perhaps that more like authentic Sammy, you know, out to play. <laughs> yeah. If you don't mind, I know it's personal. Can you just chat to us about, you know, where did you where did you go through that period, even if it was just in your own head? Um, and what was the sort of the real, you know, transformative process for you during that time? Well, that's a great question. Um, I guess there was like two prongs to it. Like one was around my relationship with food for sure. I was binge eating quite a lot in those first few months after I finished competing, I'd come from such a restrictive background where I had to be so low calories, really extreme amounts of exercise, like really pushing my body to then having this freedom to kind of eat whatever. If I wanted to, I had no future shows planned. So I had nothing to, I guess, like keep me quote unquote, like in check 
which is what I, you know, when I was competing, it was like, even if I had a binge here and there, which I absolutely did throughout that time, I was always like, well, this is like my little YOLO day. And then I'm like back onto it tomorrow and I would restrict again. Whereas it was really scary. Then I guess post-show, not having anything to pull me back into the restriction, which essentially was a good thing, but it was terrifying because it was like, I don't know how to eat like a normal person anymore. I don't know how to function when I'm not dieting or when I don't have like a body composition goal. So I felt very lost um, and like directionless and just unsure of how to just be normal because I, I wasn't like normal for a really long time. I only knew how to diet. I didn't, you know, go out for drinks and to birthdays and things a lot of the time. I mean, I did a little where I could, but there was a year where I like, I couldn't even celebrate my own birthday because it was like a week or two before my show. And it was like, I wasn't allowed to like go out and have a birthday. Even like a salad was like, well, you can't track it perfectly. So, you know, it was, it was a lot. And there were so many moments just like robbed of me in that time of competing, but also, you know, I did, there was a lot of good things that came out of it. So I don't want to make it sound like um, competing in general is inherently bad. That's not the case. Um, I just had a bit of a rough ride with it personally, I think. So yeah, finding my feet again with my relationship with food was definitely one massive aspect where I was like completely not tracking for a little while, binge eating, got to a point where I was like, okay, I feel pretty good. I'll try and like track again. And I got back into that a little bit and was like pretty flexible with it. And it wasn't anything detrimental to me. Um, and then I've kind of just like dabbled in it here and there over the sort of year or two after that, I'd have periods where I didn't track periods where I went on a bit of a fat loss kick. Like there had been times where I'd kind of done little mini cuts and things like that. And I was pretty okay. Um, but yeah, I just eventually got to a point where I was like, I don't need it. I don't, I don't want it. I actually feel fine. And I don't mind if my body changes along with that. Like I've just made a lot of peace with food over this time and let go of a lot of the rules that I used to have. Um, that's been really good, but it probably took longer than I would have liked to, <laughs> to come to that conclusion. So yeah, that was, that was like one massive facet post-show that I had to deal with. And then I guess, yeah, the whole identity crisis thing was another big one in terms of body image and just having so much of like my self-worth and my public persona, I guess, in terms of like an Instagram following and my business and my branding, like was all tied into this like little shredder that was goals and, you know, all of these compliments that would come through, which was like lovely and amazing. But I felt a lot of pressure then to continue being that person. And so in that time where I was rapidly gaining weight and feeling so out of control with my eating and the changes that my body was kind of making along with that, it was like this really <laughs> intensified fear of just is everything going to go to shit because my body's not what it was. Like I had this fear of, okay, everyone's followed me just because I look a certain way or just because I'm doing a certain thing, even just in terms of the process of competing. And if I don't have that body, and I don't have that goal and I can't be that ambitious person that's inspiring people. Like, what do I have? Um, so that was a very important question that I had to ask myself. And um, that's kind of where I really just honed into was just figuring out like, who am I as a person outside of this hobby and outside of this body and trying to lift myself back up by just really like going inwards and thinking about like what 
what do I have to add value to people's lives? Because essentially like, yeah, people can like a photo of someone's abs, but it's not really going to actually change anything for them other than maybe a little boost of motivation if that's your thing. Um, Whereas I think my approach to life is probably what touches people's lives more now. Um, And my knowledge and my empathy and yeah, just being able to be valuable in other ways. So that's the biggest thing I guess I learned about myself was just um, taking a step back and saying like, who am I outside of my body? And while it's nice to look nice, it's not everything. Yeah. Huge takeaway. So I just wanted to uh, jog your memory because I feel like I can so relate to that whole um, coming out of a bikini prep and going, how do I eat like a normal person? Do you remember when I messaged you? Yeah. had some discussions about it and I, it was so not funny to me. That's the wrong word. <laughs> everything that you went through was everything I went through, but I think it was like maybe six to 12 months later or something like that. And it was just really like interesting to watch from like an outsider's perspective. Cause I was like, fuck, I remember these feelings. I remember like the negative thought patterns and all of the judgments that you would be so worried about. And I was like, I saw like literally it was like you were replaying my life again and it was really hard. That's why I like kept checking in on you. And I was like, girl, are you okay? Like, <laughs> I know how hard it is. And we were kind of chatting throughout that time. Like, I was really glad I could like be there for you a little bit in that time. But I, I know how much you just went through exactly the same thing. Dude, yeah, it was, it was nuts. I remember I was at a shopping center, High Point Shopping Center. I don't know if you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was, had just walked past like a frozen yogurt stall. And I was like, I am just going to have all of this whole store and I was like I'm, I, need, I need a message Sammy <laughs> so I sent you that message like Sammy I am struggling here <laughs> it was a hard time and yeah it was like I also like didn't want to overstep to her and be like hey you look like you're struggling like you know I didn't want to just be like I'm just picking apart everything that you're doing but I could see like even just in the shift in energy and your captions and things like that, like I knew exactly what you were experiencing. And that was like also really heartbreaking for me to see you go through that. Like it's sad to see anyone go through that when it like hits such a nerve with me that I'm like, I just, I know how that feels, but you made it out. We both did. And like, look at you now. Yeah, it's, it's so funny you said that too. I went back through my archives and was looking at captions and I was just like, I know what was what I was saying and then what I was really going on behind those captions. And I was like, fuck, it's obvious to me now um, at the point I was trying to put on this facade. Yeah. Um, this wasn't real. But, you know, similar to you, um, I had like rapid weight gain, just like how do I eat like another person? And and I was starting my PT business at the time this was happening. So it, it yeah. wasn't the same, like not exactly the same, but I also had the like, no one's going to take me seriously. I'm not walking the walk. All of these, all of these real concerns about my PT business. But, you know, I happened to be with a coach who said, like, you're not dieting. Like, you need to stop this shit um, yeah. for months and months. And I've said it multiple times on this podcast, but it was the best thing. And it was really, really scary because, yeah, I remember calling my mom too and being like, I can't stop eating. You yeah. know? And I'd heard about this happening. I'd heard about the hormonal changes, but it doesn't, I don't mm. think it can prepare you for the actual feelings of like insatiable hunger that can come. Yeah. It's so wild actually, like from a physiological aspect, how 
damaging it can be to be in like prolonged periods of like extremely restrictive dieting and just ignoring those hunger cues for so, so long that you just completely lose the ability to know when you're hungry and when you're full because you're used to, you're used to always being hungry, but never being allowed to eat and having to like suppress that. So then when you have this freedom to eat, it's like, am I hungry? Do I just want it? Can I just eat it anyway? Do I think I'm hungry because I'm just used to feeling always hungry? Like I don't know anymore. And so it's this really wild thing of just like such a roller coaster of getting back in touch with those cues. And like, I feel like I'm pretty good at listening to those cues now, but I still have times where my body is a little out of whack. And sometimes I, some days I forget to eat for long periods of time and I don't notice that I'm hungry, which is not great, obviously. So like I literally occasionally will have to set reminders to make sure I eat lunch. <laughs> um, and other days, like I'm super, super hungry and just like eat a lot more on those days. And like, I'm fine with that, but I, I've noticed that my hunger fluctuates quite a lot still. Um, I'm better at recognizing it and feeling it, but it's not a consistent thing for me. But I don't know if it's a consistent thing for anyone anyway, really. I think everyone's hunger levels and energy requirements will change day to day, you know, based on your mood, what your training's been like, how you slept. And like, yeah, that's just a really interesting thing to see other people, I guess, start to learn that too, where they used to be like, must hit X amount of calories per day. And it's like, actually, you know, we can have some wiggle room there and like, learn that it's okay to eat more and eat less some days. But yeah, that was a really weird thing that we both kind of had to relearn how to figure out like when we needed to eat versus when we just wanted to eat. And also knowing that just wanting to eat is okay too and not beating yourself up about it. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was absolute crazy time. But I, I did learn so much and I think that, like you sort of said too, with the negatives came so many positives. And one of them is, you know, us as coaches, we at least we've had that sort of extreme experience so we can understand, you know, a lot of our clients, maybe they haven't got to stage, but they've done just the amount of extreme dieting we've done without yeah. stage results. So, um, and I think also seeing us, seeing where we are now, they know they can trust that, yes, this feels like jumping off a cliff, but you're an example of someone who's done this. You've come out the other side. It's totally possible. So, yeah, I think it's good to have that lived experience and be able to, resonate with what the clients are going through and then yeah having the ability to role model I guess better doing things too so they can see that yeah like it's it's possible to not live your life like that yeah absolutely so Sammy you have done something fairly unique with your upskilling and Uh. I would love to touch base touch base with you about that so qualified personal trainer and you you've done some upskilling since then in terms of Uh Can you, can you just tell everyone, you know, what, what have you done? And, and I guess with that as well, the clients that you're working with now and how you um, package that in your coaching. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, a couple of years ago, I started my diploma of counseling. Um, and at the time it was really just like a kind of like a way to uplevel my coaching. I was already doing a little bit of mindset work around that time based on my own experiences and things that I had learned. Um, but I wanted kind of a, a more formal way, I guess, to put certain like strategies together and really like tap into the psychology of behavior change and all of that kind of stuff. So I did my counseling diploma um, and did my placement uh, at the end of last year, late 2020. 
and just like really loved it. I was like, oh, I am actually really good at this. And through my placement, I was so blessed that um, where I work now is where I was doing my placement. And my boss just had so much faith in me just from our conversations and also like seeing the way I kind of did things on social media and how I was working with my coaching clients. She was like, look, if you want to just get some experience one-on-one with um, counseling clients, we can do like trial sessions and things like that while I was still on placement. So I had the opportunity to work one-on-one with counseling clients. And I was like, I'm really good at this. <laughs> um, and I just loved it. And it's like, I'm so passionate about mental health in general. Um, so that's something that, yeah, I originally didn't plan to be a counselor, but now I work two days a week in um, a clinic that's got some other mental health professionals in there. So I do counseling Thursdays and Fridays. Um, and that I kind of do with a broad range of clients. I do, you know, have a niche specialty of relationship with food and body image. Um, but in general, I work with so many different things, um, a lot of like anxiety, general like confidence, um, just kind of anything that really pops up. So that's really nice to be doing something different and also kind of have a bit more of a formal structure to that. Um, and then the rest of the week, I still run my coaching business. <laughs> um, so I'm a very busy girl. Um, and it's been good to be able to use all of those counseling skills in my coaching and really target more of the mindset stuff. So like I said, the psychology behind behavior change is so, so useful to have those skills and understand why clients do certain things or just even know the questions to ask to prompt them to be like, okay, where did this thought pattern come from? Or like, where are we getting stuck on this particular limiting belief, for example? Um, so that's been quite transformative in my coaching to be able to have those valuable skills when like talking to clients one-on-one. Um, so it's not really something I've like packaged and marketed as such, but it's something that I, I do for all of my clients that are one-on-one. Um, and it's been really good because I feel a lot more valuable doing the work that I do now versus just, you know, running challenges and doing all the fat loss shreddy kind of things that like we all used to do. Um, it's not really my passion anymore. Uh, I still have clients obviously where fat loss is part of their goals. Um, but I try not to take clients where fat loss is their only goal. That for me is like, that's not my bag. I will often refer them out to other like coaches and challenges and just say, look, you know, really for me, I, prefer to work with people that have more depth to their struggles because that's where I feel most useful and that's where I think people need me more so I try and like allocate my time to people that really need me um and it's been really fulfilling I guess to kind of go in a different direction it's been really nice yeah dude I found the same thing you know first first of all starting off as PT I was doing all my work on the gym floor and it was a lot of you know just programming technical skills things then upskilled a little bit in nutrition and was able to provide some help there and my online really really took off at the start of COVID to be honest with you it wasn't a big part of my business yet prior to that but I I started to find that the online clients that I was working with it was just so much mindset shit yeah it was just so much mindset shit and and I had been working with my own mindset coach um, prior to that sort of having skimmed the surface of thinking that something some things weren't quite right but I couldn't like you know relationship dynamics and those sorts of things and I couldn't figure out what it was and then 
I realized, whoa, there's this whole world of like limiting beliefs and, you know, perception and all of those sorts of things. Um, And I've just found kind of like yourself at the start where you're doing your own work and then you can start to see that mirrored in other clients with their struggles and just how helpful the mindset stuff is um, for our clients. And, And actually similar to you, you know, I do work with a lot of women who there is a whole lot of limiting beliefs and it's not just about being leaner, you know, yes, they want upskill in terms of tech and, and, um, you know, getting stronger and their body composition, but there's also those layers and layers of limiting beliefs. Like, honestly, everyone looks fucking amazing. And, um, you know, unfortunately, most of them can't see it. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about this this morning as well. You know, it's really all about our perception. It's yeah. not so much about the other shit. It's like, you yeah. know, I speak to my ladies a lot about like what we're trying to do here is create a lifestyle that you love, like really mm. helpful behaviors. Um, you're waking up and doing things that feel really good to you, and you know you feel good about how you look. Um, yeah. That may actually not be like you said before the abs that you think it's going to take. Yeah, for sure. I think it's not even about always loving how you look, but also being able to just see things neutrally as like even if I don't love exactly how I look and even if there are things that I might want to change, I'm still like living a life that I really enjoy or I still have, you know, other valuable attributes. And that's something that is like so important to me to impart onto my clients is like not just measuring progress, including how, how you actually look. Because to me, I feel like body image is less about how you look and really just about how you feel about how you look and the how you look part is actually irrelevant because people can have body image issues at, you know, a size six or a size 12 or a size 24. Like it's not exclusive to just people in bigger bodies or unconventional bodies. It's anyone can have body image issues. So clearly it's not really actually about how you look. I think that's such a huge light bulb moment for so many. And there's, there's going to be people listening to this who are like, I don't like, I don't, I, I can hear that logically. I don't believe it. I still believe that being, you know, five kilos lighter is going to be the thing for me. And yeah, yeah, it's, it was a real light bulb moment when I realized that as well. You know, and I can see this in photos looking back where I am very small and I just, the person I used to see in those photos is a totally different human than the person yeah. I see now. And it's like, what's changed my perception? <laughs> It's so wild. Like I am more confident now, probably more than 20 kilos more than at my lightest. Whereas I remember feeling awful when I gained maybe five or six kilos of my tiniest weight. Like I was still tiny. And I remember being so embarrassed about going to the gym when I had gained a few kilos Versus now I'm like, I don't care if people can see my cellulite and I'll still train in a crop top if it's hot. Like I'm not going to cover up and sweat it out. Like who cares? And it's just, it's so wild that even when I was so much smaller, like that didn't eradicate all of my like concerns. It was just something I just had to let it go. Yeah. I actually have uh, listened to this uh, audio book two days ago called Existential Mm -hmm. Kink. (laughs) It's it's really interesting, but it talks a lot about, you know, celebrating exactly where we are right now for yeah. all its, you know, all its juicy goodness. Mm. Um, and so much of it just being 
a perception of, you know, whatever we think it is rather than the reality. And it's really hitting you. I think it sums up what we're saying. So, I mean, if a, you know, a client comes to you or whatever with um, or expresses poor body image, mm-hmm. can you talk about, I guess, strategies that she might impart or processes that you might use to help someone move through that? Um, it's really going to depend client to client. I think the main thing that I like to dig into first is where this comes from. Sometimes it is a, you know, societal pressure. Obviously, yes, there is elements of fat phobia in society and sometimes people in different bodies are treated differently. So is it that? Can we unpack that thought pattern? Is it that they have different lived experiences in different bodies and are attributing maybe a positive period in their life to when they were smaller, but it actually had nothing to do with their body at the time and more that maybe it was before they had kids and they were really social and understanding where that kind of connotation comes from um, or if they've been like bullied or anything like that. It's, it's good to kind of unpack where, like at which point did you start seeing your body so negatively or start to attribute, you know, thinner equals better or whatever it is that their kind of underlying belief is So unpacking where it came from and trying to challenge that thought pattern is really important to me um, because essentially we aren't born hating our bodies. (laughs) We learn that along the way. Um, And so it's like, where did you pick this up? And is it that you're projecting assumed, you know, perceptions from other people and maybe they're not actually thinking those judgmental things. So going backwards a little bit can be really helpful in like, where did you pick this up? Or what are your earliest memories of feeling this way? Um, And a lot of people can pinpoint the first time that they hated their body or were made fun of. Like I remember the first time I was called fat. I was seven years old, seven, tiny little thing. And I had like a little bit of a tummy and it was at like a dance class. Um, And I was wearing like a two piece. I think really it was like bathers. It was probably summer or something. And I was playing with some of like the boys of like brothers of girls in my class. And one of them like pointed at my stomach was like, you're fat and like laughed at me. And I was just like, that was the first time that I'd heard it described as like a negative thing. Like I knew that there were people in different bodies. I knew that, you know, some people were larger and some people were small. Like I had eyeballs. I could see that there were different people, but I never had the connotation of that fat was something that I should be like ashamed of or feel bad about or want to change. And like that, like I remember that moment and being like, oh, wow, like, is this a bad thing? And so many people have like really tangible memories of stupid shit like that, that just like sticks with you. Um, And so, yeah, trying to kind of challenge those thought patterns is really important. That's like one kind of thing that I like to do. Um, And then it's really just, yeah, zooming out and trying to see yourself as a whole person and say like, even if there are things about your body that you would want to change, because it's perfectly okay. Like if you want to change as long as it's coming from a good place and done in a way that is positive to your lifestyle. Um, but yeah, like what are your other like values, skills, attributes, personality traits? Like what else do you have to add to the world? Because you can still do all of those things regardless of what body you're in. And essentially like your body is really just not that important. (laughs) Even if it's important to you, I don't think it's as important to anyone else, like as much as you think it is. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. It takes me back to a time where I was spending 
hours and hours and hours of my day. So I was at uni at this time. Yeah. And I was thinking about how do I weigh less? How do I have less body fat? What am I going to eat? What am I gonna not, not going to eat? And I had this realization a little while ago when I was sort of putting into words, like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I coaching? Why am I helping the woman I help? And I was like, fuck me. If we can just give one person their life back, their time that they could be spending creatively thinking about school, mm-hmm. about their work, about their own business, about their relationships, about their family, like that is valuable time that we can be using to create wonderful things, experiences, whatever, um, rather than, you know, picking ourselves apart so much. It was like, you know, that's really the moment for me where it's like kind of like you said with, you know, our body and it meaning a lot to us and, you know, and that's fine, but also just how much time are we spending in this negative spiral of, you know, hate or shame that really when it comes down to it, you know, we could be using our time for things that are so much more fulfilling. (laughs) Yeah, you are not wrong. Like when you actually prompt clients with questions like that around like how long every week are you spending doing things that are not necessary? Like are you putting all this time and energy into like meal prep, for example, which is like fine, but is that taking away from something else in your life that you could then do it differently or any moments have you been robbed of by I hate how I look today I'm just not going to that thing or going anyway but feeling really distracted and not present like it just it it robs you of so many moments in life when you are so consumed by negative thoughts about your body or food and all of those kinds of things and so yeah the freedom that you can get to just like not stress about it you can observe it you can be like cool yeah I'm not feeling great in my body today but (laughs) I'm not going to do anything differently because of that today. And I'm just going to eat like normal, train like normal, focus on the things I would normally focus on. Like it's so freeing to just kind of observe those thoughts and let them pass. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I I did want to touch on a bit of um, acceptance and commitment therapy. And also I know you said, you know, you work a lot with CBT and I've, I've very, very briefly came across this concept last year. And Mm -hmm. I had, I think the thing that really stuck with me in my head was just, you know, imagining two opposing parties on a, um, what do you call them, a rope? Um, okay. Yeah, and pulling. Yeah. Like, yeah. Pull yeah. And walk. yeah, yeah, gotcha. And heaps of resistance. What does it feel like to just drop the rope? Um, yeah. Oh, man, you know, just let just let those things be there. And you've, you've explained that by sort of saying, you know, I'm observing X. So rather than us being in the feeling of I fucking hate myself and I look like this shit, it's like, oh, wow, I'm curious, like I can see that I'm having this thought and it kind of sounds crazy. Um, can you talk a bit more about that, Sammy, you know, the utility of that? and Yeah. Yeah, so basically I guess the premise of acceptance and commitment therapy is learning to observe your feelings and instead of resisting them, really just learning to feel them and let them pass because a lot of the time they do pass or at least by not resisting, you you give yourself a little bit more breathing space to actually process things and maybe think of things a little bit more logically. Um, and, yes, yeah, separating it from yourself is really important. So that is, like, literally a phrase that I use for my clients a lot of the time is instead of them being like, I'm having a fat day, I hate my body today, like, I'm 
such and such or like I'm a failure or whatever it is. It's I'm noticing that I'm having a negative thought about X. So I'm noticing that I'm feeling uncomfortable in my body today. Kind of externalizes a little bit and doesn't just say I am having a day where I look crap. It's I'm noticing a feeling and kind of being a little bit curious about that. Like where did it come from today? What was the trigger? Is there anything different today that's making me have this particular thought? And that can kind of just help you process it a little bit better as well as just like being okay with like uncomfortably sitting in those feelings instead of trying to rush past them or shove them down with food and unhealthy coping mechanisms. It's like, if you can just sit in the discomfort, it actually is so powerful instead of like having to automatically fix it. Um, and yeah, just externalizing and observing and being just curious in general. Like I know it sounds so woo woo and wacky and there are parts, <laughs> there are parts of acceptance and commitment therapy that I pull from a lot, but maybe not in the formal way that it's like trained because it does not resonate with everyone in that way. Um, but like being able to name the emotion that's coming up, like instead of just being like, I'm having a shit day today, like what is the actual emotion that's coming up? Is it sadness, anger, disappointment, overwhelm? Okay. And then what? Like, do I just need to let it pass? Like, is it something that's happened to me that I don't need to do anything about? And it's just a feeling. Um, fun fact, did you know feelings like emotions only last 90 seconds? Crazy. <laughs> yeah, there's, oh, I can't remember the name of the woman who studied it, but like the actual like chemical part of an emotion literally only lasts 90 seconds. And the only reason that we feel those feelings for even longer is because we sit and ruminate on it. We keep replaying that same thing over and over in our head. And if you actually externalize it and let it pass, a lot of the time it just does. Um, so that's kind of been a bit of a game changer for certain times. Not always. It's not always just going to pass, but sometimes it does. And sometimes it's like, okay, I've, I've sat with it long enough to figure out, like, yes, here's a, a step of action I can take and kind of just do that from a less emotional standpoint and a more rational part of your brain. I had, a, I had a wacky experience. Uh, it was actually only a few months ago and it, was in, it wasn't in relation to, you know, nutritional training. It was a relationship mm -hmm. dynamic. And I had so much agitation and anxiety, right? And for the first time ever, I'd sort of been able to be that observer straight away. And I sat on my bed and I was like, okay, I can tell you're feeling, you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah. And I was like, well, let me just see if I can, you know, do all this work that I've been reading about and it's going to sit. And it was the weirdest thing because it, it literally did vanish. And I, yeah. I hadn't had such a visceral experience of that before. Most of the time, you know, I'd logically been able to talk my way out of it. Yeah. This time was different because I, I guess I just felt it all and let it ride and go away. And I was like, fuck me, this is huge. This is huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a very powerful um you know, skill, maybe we call it, I'm not sure, intervention. Um, yeah. Actually amazing. Yeah. Some practitioners do kind of visualization of that, like imagining that your particular feeling or worry or whatever is like maybe in a balloon that's, you know, you're watching it float away or it's on the seashore and you're seeing a wave come in and like crash over it and pull it back out to sea. So sometimes some of those visualizations can be really helpful. It just kind of depends on the person and how that's going to land. Like it is one of those, I guess, more like woo woo things. So when I'm like doing this with clients, it's like, are they a logical thinker or are they into that kind of thing? And I will just like tailor the approach based on like how I think it's going to land for them. Um, but yeah, it can be really powerful to just like 
sit with things and just let it let it float away and if it doesn't okay has enough of the heightened wave of emotion floated away that I at least can see things a little more rationally like do I need to do anything about it or do I not (laughs) yeah Sammy super interesting because I'm a little bit I think I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anyone listening I'm a bit woo-woo and I've Mm -hmm. gone down that track but I also have yeah, a bunch of clients who aren't and don't resonate yeah. with it and are really logical. Um, yeah. if, if we have a, a more logical-based client, is that when you're more maybe going into CBT or journaling or something? Like what's the... Yeah, I mean, there's probably aspects of... So anyone who doesn't know what CBT is, it's cognitive behavioural therapy. Basically, it kind of links your thoughts and your actions together and figuring out sort of when we're thinking about an undesirable behavior, it's backtracking it to what caused this behavior, you know, what kind of thought pattern or belief did it come from? And then where did that thought pattern and belief stem from to kind of break the cycle of a certain, you know, pattern. Um, but there are also even aspects of that, like not everyone's into journaling, for example. So I hate journaling. Honestly, I'll do it if there are prompts. Like if it's like questions, then I can do it. But I hate just free write journaling. Like I just can't do it. And my brain wanders too much in a not good way. And it's not cohesive and it's never helpful for me. But, you know, some clients absolutely love it. So obviously it's something that I recommend because I think it's great for most people. It just doesn't land for me. Um, But yeah, CBT is probably what I do the most. Um, Especially, I guess, in in coaching, because a lot of the time there are tangible behaviors. So when we think about, for example, um, binge or emotional eating, it's like, okay, people think that that's the behavior that they need to just change the behavior. They just need to not binge. They just need to get more control over their eating. and That's it. But it's like, okay, when we take it back a step, what are the thoughts and feelings that are coming up that are leading you to binge? Like, what is this actual trigger? Or an activating event that's led to these thoughts and feelings. So maybe it's that today you had a bad day and um, you got in trouble from your boss and you're feeling really shitty at your job, right? So that might be your activating event of the day, which is bringing up, next step, a feeling of not being good enough, feeling like a failure, getting really like down on yourself and being hard on yourself. That's why sometimes then that leads to an emotional eating episode where it's like, I feel like a failure anyway. I'm shit at everything. So I'm just going to self-sabotage as well and like ruin all my health and fitness goals. Cause if I'm crap at my job, I'm crap at everything like that full catastrophizing leading to these undesirable behaviors. And it's like, well, actually we see where there's been like a triggering event. It's created a negative thought pattern. Can we reframe somewhere between that event and that thought pattern to diffuse the situation a little bit and not jump to those negative conclusions and create a healthier coping tool to deal with some of those triggers. So it's just kind of taking a back step. This is kind of like a really brief overview of it, I guess, and it can be used in a lot of different ways. But essentially it's just understanding more about like why you do certain things and not necessarily seeing the behavior as the problem, but more as a symptom of another problem that that's kind of where we need to really dig into. It's so helpful, I think, for people to hear this because, um, you know, I know there are so many women who, you know, don't know that this exists, these strategies, solutions, whatever you want to call them, interventions exist. And it's always about that specific behavior. And like you said, you can see when, you know, as Sammy's just uh, illustrated for us, you can see the compounding impact. Well, I feel like failure. So I'm going to do things that um, confirm that. And yeah just this huge shit circle of um confirmation yeah 
<laughs> yeah, it's so common because our brains love to be right. <laughs> so if you have a negative thought about yourself, a lot of the time you'll actively seek out ways to like reaffirm that thought pattern and be like, see, I was right. I can't do anything. I'm never going to achieve my goals. And that's where a lot of people, yeah, end up self-sabotaging. It can, it's crazy to actually watch it unfold now that I understand like the cycle and where it comes from. I'm like, I know exactly why you're doing this one thing. Let's work on that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do want to um, chat a bit about self-sabotage as well and mm -hmm. sort of explaining what it is and just as you were saying that, you know, I can see this throughout my life as well, you know, yeah. and um, we know knowing is one thing, being aware of one thing, then, you know, us actually integrating the changes is another thing. But yeah, something I've sort of started implementing just like super recently is going okay so this is how I would usually behave in this situation what other options are there like maybe not even what's opposite, but what are the other options like could I do something that feels out of my comfort zone but it's a yeah. different thing yeah and doing that and, and again this can just be in relationships like usually I would fire back some kind of spiteful passive aggressive message mm -hmm. and it's like what if I try and think about this thing or what, and see what happens? You're like, fuck me, that worked. You know, it was like everything's happy days and everything is good and I have much less stress in my life now. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah. And that's about what is leading you to do the certain behaviour in the first place and, like, where can you kind of rewire that thought pattern to lead to a more positive solution because, yeah, a lot of people think it's like a Band-Aid thing to just not do the thing you know to just not binge eat that's my problem I need to just not binge eat I need to get more control of my food or whatever it is but yeah going back and understanding why you do it and is it a self-sabotage thing are you I actually see this a lot with coaching clients specifically around like binge slash emotional eating obviously I don't work with eating disorders in terms of binge eating disorder but binge eating in general where it's you know less frequent and less intense and not meeting the criteria is so so common and um a lot of it does boil down to self-sabotage and it could be actually two totally opposing thought patterns that can create the same outcome. So sometimes it's that they feel they're not progressing fast enough and they feel like they're putting in all this work and they're not seeing the changes or they're getting frustrated with the pace or whatever it may be in terms of just feeling like it's not enough. To them, there may be a limiting belief there of I'm never going to achieve my goal. Like I've tried all these times and I always fail and see, look, now things aren't happening as they should. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm just going to eat anyway, because what's the point? And like really, again, that whole confirmation bias thing of like reaffirming the thing that they think instead of sitting with the discomfort of, okay, maybe I just need to stick with this a little bit longer or maybe I can, can get a little bit more perspective around other things that I'm progressing with that make this all worth it. And like, yeah, people really get in their own way sometimes when things aren't going very well, but also it can happen the opposite where maybe a client is getting really, really close to their goal weight or their target lift or whatever it is that they're like, putting all of this emphasis on like when I hit this goal, like this is the thing I've been working towards and I'm going to feel so great and be so proud. And like, this is the completion of my like efforts and my journey. And sometimes the closer that clients get to that, the more they wig out and be like, either, oh my God, this is so scary that it's actually going to happen. Or if there are underlying fears of not feeling good enough in general in people's lives, sometimes they feel like, 
I don't deserve this level of success in my life or they worry that if they have put all this emphasis on feeling so great when they hit X goal and they're only one kilo away and it's like, well, now I've told myself once I lose that one last kilo, I'm going to be confident, but I'm not confident now. So what's going to happen in one kilo? And oh my God. And it's like getting in this like whole thing. (laughs) So it's just really funny because self-sabotage can come like in so many different forms, but it's ultimately a lot of the time, just like a lack of belief in yourself and being able to push past that and say, I'm going to stick with this regardless of what it is. Like if it feels good to me and it feels aligned and things are, you know, healthy and balanced, obviously that's really important, but I back myself enough to believe that I will get there and I'm not going to get in my own way, regardless of how long it takes. That's like the really important kind of way to approach things. But I think, yeah, the, the times that people self-sabotage when they're doing really well, the ones that I find like not funny, it's not that I'm like amused by the situation, but I'm just like, all right, let's take it a few steps back because I can see there's something coming up here for you. And ultimately, like a lot of the time, it is that whole like, well, I've been working towards this my whole life or I've always thought when I hit X weight or when I do this one thing, like everything's going to be so great and so easy. And it's like the closer that you get to that and you realize you've put this whole thing on a pedestal this whole time, it can be a massive rude shock. And it's not everyone's that like mentally able to cope with that. It can be a lot. <laughs> yeah, man, it's such a humbling experience. I think when you realise, you know, you've been put, like you said, been putting any kind of goal or different version of you, quote, unquote, on a pedestal and you either get there and nothing feels really different mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe you're close to it. But I love that you've highlighted that, you know, sabotage, self-sabotage. It could be, um, you know, coming really close to it. Um, mm. I don't think a lot of people realise that it can happen like that. Um, yeah. You spoke a little bit about <clears throat> how, you know, this is, I guess, you know, limiting beliefs is sort of, confirming the uh, activities or behaviors we're engaging in if someone uh-huh. is listening sammy and they're like oh shit you know <laughs> maybe they're an all or nothing person or maybe they keep you know almost reaching their goals and then pulling themselves back those sorts of things what could they do whether it's you know reach out to someone or journal or whatever what could they do to start to either, you know, do the work of uncovering the limiting beliefs or then once they've uncovered them, let them, let, letting them go? That's a good question. I think as much as I'd love to say, yep, journal it out and, you know, here's this worksheet and do this, it can be really hard to break through those thought patterns on your own because if you've had these beliefs for a long time, you often don't see that as your limiting belief until someone calls you out on your bullshit and is like, Hey, actually, can we rewind? Can you tell me that one thing again? That's what's getting in your way. Um, because a lot of the time we don't see them as negative thought patterns or limiting beliefs because it's what we believe. And we think that that's true. Like, oh, I won't be happy unless I'm X weight or I won't, you know, be confident until I can fit into this size or I'm not good enough to be in the squat rack until I'm lifting X amount of kilos. Like all of these things hold us back so much, but it's like, if you genuinely believe that, then yeah, that's what's terrifying you and holding you back. And sometimes you actually just need someone to challenge that thought pattern for you. Um, You can try and do it yourself. If you feel like you're noticing that there is like a particular thought pattern that you're getting stuck on. One thing I like to get my clients to do in terms of journaling is write down that negative thought pattern 
and ask yourself like how true is this like is this just something that I, I think or I have picked up from someone else's language or I've, I've observed it, you know, happening in someone else's life? But how true is this actually for me? Like where's the proof and like the genuine fact to support this? And often there is little to no proof a lot of the time, maybe like fractionally, but it's usually it's pretty rare to have like a fact about it. And then it's, okay, well, what are the facts to support the opposite? So, for example, it could be, um, I don't know, can you give me an example of a, maybe a negative thought pattern that one of your clients might get stuck on? You know what? I've actually just had one in my head. Yeah, tell me. It's not, it's not in relation to training or nutrition. That's fine. <laughs> it was a family one and it was spending, um, I'm selfish when it comes to my family because yeah. I don't spend enough time with them. And okay. When I, was, when I was talking to my mindset coach, I believed this was true. I, I was selfish. Like there was no yeah. two ways about it. Yeah. And so pushing against that and saying, okay, well, who told you that you were selfish? If someone told you that, they were, that you were selfish for doing that, okay, are they right though? Or is that just their opinion? Because what exactly makes you selfish about that? Are your family feeling outwardly neglected? if they've never expressed it or you ask them and they're like, no, we're fine, then it's obviously like a perception of your own. So it's like, all right, there's no actual proof other than that this is just some belief I've picked up along the way that X equals Y. But what is the proof then on the next level down to fight against that and say, what is the proof then to say that I am a valuable member of my family, that I do treat them really well? Like, what time do you spend with them? Is that really valuable? Do they love how often you call them and they're actually grateful to hear from you once every week or two and that they don't expect any more than that and actually trying to break down that negative thought pattern that way? So, yeah, listing down what is the negative thought that you're getting stuck on and this could apply to, honestly, anything in life. Um, I do this with my counselling clients too, even if they're just stuck on something. So what are the facts to genuinely support that or is it just like a belief or an assumption? And then what other facts can you use to counteract that thought pattern to kind of disprove it or at least make it a bit of a question mark that it's not a 100% absolutely if you spend the amount of time with your family that you currently do that you're selfish. It's okay, maybe I, it could be perceived as selfish if I don't speak to them for a month, but also here's X, Y, Z that I'm doing that show them that I love them. So facts for and facts against. And then sometimes adding in one extra step of, what would you say to like a friend or a family member if they were expressing this kind of feeling to you? Like, what would you say to them? Because guarantee you, if one of your friends was like, oh, I'm such a dick because I don't see my family, like I'm so selfish, you'd be like, well, no, you don't. You're a really busy person. You actually have very limited time to spend with people and you prioritize spending that with your family when you can. How is that selfish? That's just busy. That's just life, you know? It's exactly what I bet you would say to people. And so... We just kind of get in this like neggy little bully headspace on our own where we have great words of wisdom to say to other people and all this perspective and it's a perspective that we lack when we're thinking about it ourselves. So breaking it down in that way is really good. If anyone like this kind of resonated with you but went over your head, if you go to my Instagram and I'll tell you what it is later, um, I actually have a reel that's called Ants, A-N-T-S, Automatic Negative Thoughts, and it kind of talks through a little bit of this as well. So that could be an interesting reel for you to just go back over. Um, but, yeah, I think that's really helpful in any kind of limiting belief, like self-sabotage kind of aspect. Anytime it's like a negative thought that you're getting stuck on, it's like most of the time it's actually just bullshit and you've just told yourself that thing the whole time. 
Yeah, it's it's. I remember when I had that moment, like that. It was kind of a breakthrough moment with this particular belief, the selfish one, where I was like, "Oh wow, you know, this is something that I see as absolute truth." Yeah, I mean, could be, could not be. All there's all these other options available to me, and I think you know, bringing it back to like training and nutrition, um, probably one of the biggest ones with my ladies is like fear of eating at maintenance or fear of eating more than that or whatever it's like, or even like reducing my steps. Yeah. No way in hell can I be a happy human yeah. if I'm doing 6,000 steps a day. It's got to be 15. And, and then we just start pulling it back and they're like, fuck, my whole world didn't explode. Exactly. Yeah. So again, it's the same kind of process, challenging that negative thought pattern. Like, is this just what I think? Like 100% is it fact that that's going to happen? No, there's no proof. Like, there probably isn't even a tangible example of someone else having that happen where they reduce their steps from 15 to 12,000 and suddenly they gain a hundred kilos and they never train again. And everything like just, is they're not their usual self anymore? Like that's not the case. And so then backing it up with, okay, but I really value movement in general. So I know that just by reducing my steps slightly, I'm not going to throw my whole like train regime out the window or that maybe in a positive light, my recovery might improve so maybe my training will improve like all of these things are like they just go out the window when you get stuck on that automatic negative thought and you don't have the perspective so breaking it down and journaling it out with like the facts for and against and then one little kind of pep talk of what you would say to someone else it's a really good go-to if you get stuck but that's like a really simple one that I guess anyone can do essentially though if there are some of these like really like negative thought patterns that are hindering your ability to progress or just like feel good in general probably is a good idea to just work with someone even temporarily I have some counseling clients that literally I only work with them for like three or four sessions just like kind of hit a specific topic that is like really getting in their way and then they can kind of pick things up from there and keep going on their own so you don't have to feel weird about it if you need a little bit of extra help or you want to see a psychologist or anything like that it can be so helpful even just purely from like a self-development perspective. Yeah, I think, I think I don't know, maybe I'm in such a bubble where it's totally fine and everyone has coaches, but I, yeah. I think it's becoming a bit more acceptable to seek help, like you said, even if it's for a few sessions. Yeah. But because these things, you know, these limiting beliefs can be such blind spots, like you were saying, Sammy, we're not aware, we think they're true, so we can't even see them. They're real blind spots, I think. That yeah. If you do notice patterns repeating, especially over and over and over again, and you feel frustrated, it could be, you know, time to reach out to someone. Yeah. Um, Sammy, I've absolutely loved this conversation. I think it's... It's so juicy for um, hopefully both of our clients, you know, that are listening yeah. to this podcast. And just, you know, I think you and I are pretty damn honest both you know, with our experiences, but also, you know, how we coach and all those sorts of things. So I think that is really valuable because, you know, um, maybe not everyone likes to get down and dirty and be real with it. We all struggle. We all have these things. Um, so I think sometimes, that's sometimes it's a bit of a loving bitch slap that the people just need to receive to kind of get things moving. Um, but yeah, like, it's good to really like, reflect on yourself like even when it is just a health and fitness journey like it does impact so many areas of your life and mindset is such a huge component of that so like if you are listening to this and you're not coached by either of us 
and maybe you're not getting the support that you need, not to say like come and work with us necessarily, but really just kind of have a think about like, are you being supported from the mindset side of things too? Is there anyone else that you can get help from just to make sure that you are adding to your life positively and managing your stress and all of the really, really important stuff because if you're letting all of those lifestyle factors go to shit just in your pursuit of like your health and fitness goals, it's not going to feel very good when you get there. <laughs> you're going to reach those goals and you're probably still going to feel like shit because you haven't done the dirty work that is a little uncomfortable to dig through, but it's very important. <laughs> um, Sammy, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Um, best go-to would be my Instagram. So it's Sammy Rose, S-A-M-I Rose. Uh, used to be Sammy Rose Fitness, but I've recently dropped off the fitness and I feel so good about that. Um, you know, I obviously still post fitness content, but it's a little more all encompassing, I guess, of what I do now. It's just me, um, which is really nice. And there are, um, some links. If you click the link in my bio, there's, um, links to like my newsletter, approaching with me, counseling sessions, even just once off consultations I do offer as well. So if you do have a coach, but there's like one specific thing that you want a little bit of help on from a more mindset side, feel free to book like a 30 or 60 minute consult and we can just dig a little deeper I can give you some homework to keep you know working on um and yeah there are a few other links in there to ebooks and things like that too so everything's kind of there on my gram I love it well thank you so much again and I'm sure um sooner or later I'm gonna have you back on for a part two yay I would love that yay.